Welcome to the Leadership Network Podcast. Leadership Network is a community of multipliers who gather to collaborate, innovate, and pursue what God has next for His church. Our mission is to champion healthy growth that is capable of reproducing. Thank you for joining this conversation, and here's today's episode. Welcome to the next episode of Microchurch Next. We're so glad that you can join us today. Uh, This is brought to you by the Leadership Network. If you're not familiar with the Leadership Network, uh, we convene catalytic conversations that foster spirit-led movements of innovation. And we want to play a prophetic role within the church, helping the church to sense what the Spirit of God is doing next across the body of Christ in America. And we want to help you as a church leader to perceive that and to pursue that. And one of the themes, one of the next themes currently is that of microchurch. And there's the emergence of disciple-making movements and church movements that are simple in their expression, what we call microchurches. If you haven't had a chance to look back at the archive, we've got some great shows over the last month. Uh, The first one is What is a Microchurch? That's a great one to start with. And this time in this space, Tuesdays at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we want to create basically a fire for you to come to, to meet incredible um, innovators in microchurch movements to be equipped as an early adopter to know that you're not alone. So we're glad that you're here. Today's going to be amazing. Brian, good to see you, brother. How are you? Yeah, thrilled to be here. Looking forward to this conversation with Dr. Isla Tassi from yes. Eastern African context and just looking forward to all that he's going to share. And just to follow up, we are in this theme of just exploring what does it look like for the microchurch to be kind of a primary focus for the church in the West and return to that for biblical reasons, for cultural reasons, and for missiological reasons. Uh, so Isla, Dr. Isla, he's one of our heroes, and we've already learned so much from a distance. So we're, we just have the joy to ask some questions today and let him teach us from a completely different context. So, Rob, I'll let you take just a brief introduction of Dr. Isla. And then, uh, Dr. Isla, we'd love to hear from you as well. Just we're, we're going to give some overview of who you are, but we'd love to hear your story and just a little bit about your family as well. Uh, thank you, brothers. Uh, my name is Isla. I'm from Nairobi, Kenya. Um, I'm a leader of uh, Lifeway Mission, uh, Lifeway Mission. Uh, International is uh, indigenous missionary training and sending, but uh, as well involved in catalyzing disciple-making movement uh, in East and Horn of Africa countries. Uh, The work that uh, started over 25 years ago have spilled to other parts of the world. And so we've been catalyzing movements, uh, not only among the enriched people groups, but all across the urbans. Uh, and different context uh, in our world. I'm married to Turu, and we have uh, uh, two sons, Moses, Joshua, and uh, Adora, who is Miriam, 10-year-old. So that's my family, and that's my ministry. Beautiful. Well, the conversation we want to have today is just around this idea of gospel planting. And here in Kansas City, as we have seen a network of micro churches emerge. One of the things that we learned early on was we can't make church happen. We can't make micro churches. We can't plant them or force them to happen in a context. What we know that, that is true is that we can train missionaries, missionary leaders who understand and see themselves as disciple makers. And when they embed themselves into a context and they learn the stories of the people and the place and they learn the songs and the festivals and all of the things that make that people uh, beautiful. They plant the gospel within that context and they make new disciples. And then out of that, the church emerges. And we learned that from you, Dr. Isla. (laughs) (laughs) That's absolutely true. Uh, As you know, Dr. Isla, when people talk about church planting, um, a lot of times what they mean is we're starting a meeting or we're starting a worship service. And so we've really chosen uh, to not use that language. We don't say we plant microchurches. Uh, we say we plant missionaries who plant the gospel and make disciples. And again, uh, your influence on us has been really profound. 
So before we get into how it is that you equip people to plant the gospel, we just want to hear the story of like, how did the gospel get planted in you? How did you meet Jesus? Um, tell us your story. So my story is uh, I, I, I grew up in a Muslim family, so I'm a Muslim uh, background believer. And uh, I grew up in the mosque uh, practicing the Islamic faith from the time I knew myself as a young kid going to the mosque with my dad and five times a day and uh, uh, my region uh, where I am from in Kenya is, is mostly Islamic region uh, borders with Ethiopia in the south and uh, and so I did not add any exposure to Christians or even to the Christianity. There are a few believers in my town who had came up to the north to work as civil servants and so that's the 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 Christians I would see, but the mostly the indigenous people, uh, uh, animists, traditionalists, um, and, and Muslims. So growing up, I had a very negative uh, attitude towards Christianity because of what I was taught uh, growing up. But as a practicing, I felt that I didn't have any connection between myself and the God that I was worshiping. I felt that there is something that I'm missing. I wanted to have a personal intimate relationship with the the God that I was worshiping and the teacher, um, you know, the madrasa teacher, and they didn't help me, uh, you know, answer that question. So I went to high school, which was right on the border of Kenya and Ethiopia. And, and during that time, I joined uh, uh, much more of a, a league, a young league uh, uh, of people in that faith to advance uh, the religion. But during that time, I met uh, a Christian high school teacher who came to my school to teach biology, and he was a believer. He was a member of Campus Crusade and uh, uh, introduced himself as a born-again Christian to a Muslim kids and, uh, in a Muslim school. So that didn't went well. But Mr. Francis kept his faith. He was not very popular in the school because of his religion and faith. But during that time, there was an outbreak of uh, malaria and um, yellow fever in town that killed the people. I became a victim. We were taken to a small health center that was there, and I saw my friends dying. Now I felt I was dying without hope. It was at that time that the teacher came to my hospital ward and, and asked me a question. And the question is, if you die today, where will you spend your eternity? And of course, I didn't know. The simple answer for me as a Muslim was, Inshallah, Allah knows, I don't know. But before he left, he asked me, uh, you know, um, he said, and you know that your sins can be forgiven. For the first time in my life, I had the sins are not recorded and kept for the day of judgment, but they can be forgiven. So I didn't want it to be a Christian, but at that point I told him I don't want to be a Christian, but I want my sins to be forgiven. Uh, because for me to become a Christian means so many things, yeah, very negative things. But of course, I needed my sins to be forgiven. The teacher left, and that night it kept on ringing in my ears for actually a week that sins can be forgiven. So the following week when he came, I told him I don't want to be a Christian, but I want my sins to be forgiven. So I came to Jesus seeking forgiveness of sin, not seeking religion. And so by, by that way, I became a follower of Jesus. And so that's kind of my journey of faith today, that I'm a follower of Jesus seeking for salvation and not for religion. Mm, that's so beautiful. Thank you for just gifting us with that, sharing that. Um, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I know you're, we want to honor your time and make sure that you have all the time you need with the people you're investing in currently. And so I'm going to jump ahead to uh, just how we connected. Uh, one of our local directors and teammates uh, traveled to Kenya and was learning from you. And I, I won't go into the whole story. So I'll give the abbreviated version, which is he saw on one of your walls, kind of this pathway that he discerned that movements begin with prayer and then we begin to live as missionaries deeply into a context and then we plant the gospel. So I kind of already walked through that a little bit. That's how we see micro churches emerge and how we train disciple making leaders. So can you give us just like for your ministry and what you're doing, how is it that you see disciple making? What are, what is your understanding behind that word? 
See, for me, it goes back all the way to what Jesus said in Matthew 28. The command to the disciples, something that we call to the Great Commission, uh, is to go and make disciples. The command is, Jesus did not say, make them to be religious people, make them to be converts of a religion, make them to be, even he did not say, make them to be Christians. He said, make them to be disciples. Literally means, make them to be my followers. Mm-hmm. And, and teach them obedience. That's, that's, that, that's what is involved in that. Make them to be my followers and teach them all that I have commanded. And so for us, that, 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 that process of disciple making means for us, how can we help believers or people who are coming to Jesus, who desire to follow him, be learning what it means to be his followers, not joining a religion not joining a certain organization. Because I don't think that Jesus came to start even Christianity by itself. The message of Jesus was the message of the kingdom of God. It's the message that the kingdom of God is here. And that is God's role in the hearts of men and women. Of course, now today in this world, people compare Christianity to many other religions, but we, know, we don't read that Jesus said, I came to start a religion called Christianity. But he came and we know his message was the kingdom of God. And so today, even as a Muslim background believers, that's why I said my coming to Jesus was seeking salvation and not religion. Because I had a good religion when you talk about com- in comparison religion. Religion is man seeking God. Mm-hmm. Salvation is God seeking man. He yeah. came to us. The Bible says while we are yet sinners, he died. You know, he loved us. And gave us his son. He demonstrated his love. And so when we talk about uh, disciple making, it's in one word for us, it's learning from Jesus. Daily living, daily dying in following Jesus. What does that one mean? It's more than becoming a, a religious person. It's more than having a religious organization. It's learning to learn from the master himself. Amen. So in our process of disciple making is we introduce people into following Jesus and be his followers. And in making disciples, also inviting others to do the same. So in Matthew 4, we read about that. Jesus says, come and follow me. That's the invitation of the disciples. When he first went to the, to the, to the seashore and he saw the brothers fishing, he says, hey, come and follow me. That was the invitation. Then he said, and I will make you fishers of men. To me, I see that one as the first invitation is come and follow me. Come and learn from me. Come and obey me. Then I will make you fishers of men. So the first part is come and be a disciple. The second part, and I will teach you how to make others to be my disciples. Mm. So simply for, for us, that is the concept. And then, of course, we have a process that begins with a prayer. And, uh, and, and planting the gospel. We plant the gospel in the hearts of people as they learn to follow Jesus and learn from him. And when they gather together, the church emerges. We don't even talk about church planting because I think the command is not plant church. The command is make disciples. When disciples come together, they worship and they do the functions of the church. And so they become a church. The church emerges because now they are doing the functions of the church. <clears throat> Yes, <laughs> We're, we are so grateful uh, for your voice in our life and the, the profound being made so clear and so simple. Um, would you share a bit of the story that's happened, how this has become a multi-generational disciple-making movement that's catalyzed so many ordinary people as very transformed disciple-makers? So for, for myself, my journey and the journey of our people is started in a simple process for us, first of all, to understand this concept of becoming disciples and making disciples. I say life of a believer is just in two things. One, the invitation is come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men, which is the forms, the second part of disciple making. So to be a disciple is a lifestyle of a believer. We are called to follow to love, to serve, and as well as to help others do the same. 
And so in our ministry, as we started this process, it started with ordinary people. Mm -hmm. And this is evident in the book of Acts, that the gospel always we look at the persons that God had prepared. God had prepared people, so many people in the communities. If we go out, like what Jesus said, go out, you know, he said, go. And, and we go to the community. We always take the opportunity of looking for the people that God had already prepared in our communities. And those people are the people we call the men and women of peace. They are there in our societies. People are spiritually hung, hungry. They are seeking. And, 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 and so when you find those kind of people, we start introducing them to the discovering God. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the scriptures, there's a journey that we do in the scriptures, and we call it discovery Bible study. So discovery, discovery process. We introduce them to learning together with them to listen to God, and we just ask simple question. you know, introduce the scriptures to them. What did you hear God speak to you? What are you learning? How are you going to obey? Because obedience is critical for us. Jesus said, teach them to obey. And, and it's not like teach them to know only. Some, some of the Bible studies and things that church has done for years is help people just to acquire knowledge. But it goes beyond that, that teach them to obey what they're learning. And so as people are obeying this truth that they're learning, we always ask them, who are you going to share with? And they go out and share. It's the principle of Jesus teaching of people learning, obeying, and sharing. And that's often you will say, go and share with your family. We'll tell them to heal somebody and say, go and tell to the religious leaders. And people go out and share their family. Sharing is part of a disciple. So as a disciple, it's, it's not a program. Disciple, becoming a disciple is a lifestyle of a believer because you become a student of Jesus. And then when you go out and make help others to become disciples, then now that's also a lifestyle of a, of a believer. You'd, it's not a program of the church. It's not a program that you program yourself and towards the weekend, I'll go and make disciples. As you go, the command in, 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 in Matthew 28 is, as you go, make disciples. That means they are place of work. That means in your neighborhood, with all the relationships that you have. And so throughout the years, as we keep on training this, and in several steps that we've done that, God has amazed us. Our focus was in, uh, in about 300 and rich people groups in our region uh, of about 14 countries. And at the moment, we have 147 engagement among those 300 uh, and rich people groups. And we've God has amazed us in many ways. And, and uh, so far, in the, since 2005, uh, we've seen uh, close to 13,800 churches uh, uh, this, those micro churches planted among old and rich people groups. Some of them are 27 generation, and uh, the average generations right now we have is 11, but the others are in 27 generation, 26 generation, 24 generation in numerous contexts in the urbans, in the rurals, and different places uh, in the region where I come from. Praise God. How, yeah, no, praise God. Amen. You use this phrase that we use, as we probably borrowed it from you, of just ordinary people. Uh, and so as you were talking, this question just came to mind of, is, is there a face or a story that you could tell us of somebody that is, I don't want to say the most ordinary, but um, maybe unexpected leader. Like when we think of leadership oftentimes in the West of who can lead a church, who can make disciples, you know, we end up thinking about the people who are highly trained or highly skilled or have the ability to communicate really well, those types of things. I'm just curious if there's a story you could share with us of, of someone that's like, Nobody would expect this person to be such an amazing leader, but they're so faithful in their obedience that they, they're so good at making disciples. I see you smiling, so I think you have somebody in mind. Many, many <laughs> amazing stories because those are my heroes. So I went to a, a tribe, it's northwest Kenya, called uh, a Pokot tribe. Pokot people are uh, warriors, fear, fear, they're, they're fighters, and mostly because of 
animal wrestling or pasture land. They fight with their neighbors and the tribal groups. And so I went up there. It's one of the unrich people groups. Went to train in a town, uh, in, in the neighborhood a town. So I was in this uh, small facility where I was training about 15 people to make a first engagement to this people group. And I didn't know that the, the guy who was a guard of that place himself comes from that tribe, Pokot tribe. And so all the time that I was training, he pretended that he was not he was not listening, but he was actually listening. I would always see him standing behind the door or at the window. Here's a guard of the facility, but he was listening all that I was saying. And I kept on, you know, looking at the scriptures, discovering the scriptures, and he was listening, you know, all the process that we were doing. And then before the last day, uh, actually the last session, he came in uh, during tea time, sorry, he came in and he asked me, I've had all that you've been saying throughout the week. Is it only for these people to go and do it, or I'm also allowed to do it? Because I've had one, two, three things that you've been sharing with these people. And I got shocked because he told me, I'm a Pokot, and you guys have been talking about my tribe. And I feel like you have love for my tribes. I'm not part of this training, but I've had at least three things that I can go and do it with my community. Is it only for these guys in the training or I can also go and do it? And I said, well, yeah, you can go and do it. So Lodo went back to his community, to his village, and he started doing those three things. And a group emerged. People started gathering in his heart and they started, you know, learning those things. After a month, we had a report. Uh, he called one of the guys in the town that he knew through this training. And he said, I've done those three things, and there's a group meeting in my house. I don't know what to do next. Please, can you come and do something with this group? And we realized God has used this person, even without our knowledge. He's just an ordinary caretaker of the facility. Now, in obedience, going out and doing those simple three things, and a group is emerging. So we said, instead of us going to do something, we call him to come and take more training. So I went back for the second training, and Lodo is not now a guard only. He's sitting in the training and learning with us. And within six months, there are six different groups that were started through this guy. And as I speak of today, we have a movement in that area through this one man who was just an ordinary caretaker of a facility and was not even part of the training. Just because of few things that he had, he became obedient when and implemented. I can tell you, we have 32 churches as a result of this planted by this one man and his network. And now we have a network. We actually have an equipping training in those in that area for that people group. It went from Kenya and it spilled into northern and northwestern Uganda. Yes. And it is amazing that how God used this kind of people. So this is what I call in my phrase. And I said, God uses anyone, ordinary people. And it's we see all these examples in the book of Acts that God using ordinary people. Simple faith, simple obedience reproduces movement. Yes. And, and, and a simple faith, simple obedience. It's not like you have to know a lot of things to do. It's just what you're learning, obey, and God will use that. Amen. And that's a lesson that I did not learn from my seminary education. Of course, it is yeah. there, but it's a lesson that I learned practically for people in the field that are simply obeying, having faith in God, obeying, and then here comes the results. Now, this is what the Holy Spirit can do by using ordinary people. Yes, we, we, we're seeing that story multiplied in so many contexts here in Kansas City. Uh, just this last Friday, uh, one of our heroes, his name is Cor um, Corey, and, uh, or Casey, rather. And Casey is uh, going into its, a residential uh, center for those with severe disabilities. And, uh, and just this last Friday, during their Discovery Bible study, um, four people surrendered their lives to Jesus. <laughs> and, and you can imagine for Casey, uh, did, his brother lives there. So he, he belongs there because his brother's there and he's in, mm -hmm. 
you know, he's got that inside access and the Holy spirit prompted him to start a discovery Bible study. And he's just amazed at what the Lord's doing. And it's not just the residents, it's actually the staff as well that are beginning to engage the discovery group. So I, I want to ask you um, if, if you could just hit some highlights on um, you know, what, what are the practical aspects that you train people in when it comes to planting the gospel? Um, I know the church leaders that are listening right now are yeah, wondering. So okay, one what, is pra- yes, so I'll be very quickly because I'm short of running short of time. Yeah. One it's kids prayer. Everything begins with prayer and, and continues in prayer. I can't overemphasize prayers. Jesus started his ministry. He prayed before he started his ministry. He prayed while doing his ministry. I think he's, the, he's still the ministry that he's doing in heaven for us, praying for the saints. Mm-hmm. And so prayer. And, and we invest so much. Planting the gospel is an act of God. It's God that brings conviction to people. It begins from the place of prayer. And so before we even go to any community, we invest so much of our time in prayers. Secondly, we look for opportunities to engage with the lost or with the people. How are we going to get through, through what kind of access? How can we get access to the people? Uh, what we, we looked at the context. We looked at the need or uh, opportunities of 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 accessing the community and we call it either access ministry or compassion ministry way of finding a legitimate way of connecting with the lost people you can't share the gospel or plant the gospel if you don't have access to the to the people and once we do that god will always show us the receptive people our people are ready you know slowly we build relationship and through those relationships we get people who will receive this and so for those who will you know, will be open to the to 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 the gospel. We start doing the discoveries with them. That's how where we planted the gospel, and through the discoveries, they learn. You know, they obey, and they grow in this. And so, through these discoveries, um, we start having a group, and so the group comes together. So here, you have a discovery groups. People are learning from each other. They are obeying, and they are going to their community, and eventually, the church will emerge out of this group because now they're doing the functions of the church. And then we start developing leaders that will multiply and sustain what is happening in that specific group. Now, I just shared that process with you in one minute, but it's a long process of learning almost for a week. And that is simply having start with prayers, second, engage with your community. Through that, find a personal piece, number three. Number four, start a DBS group. And then the group come together to do the function of the church. So they become a church and then you develop leaders to multiply and sustain and repeat the process. That way you get uh, both movement and generation because you can't call something a movement if it doesn't have a generation. Wow. Thank you so much, Dr. Arla. We know that Thank you. we want to let you go to bless the people that you're investing in right now. So you can feel free to, uh, head back that way, but we're so grateful for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking your time. I think it's a bit short, but uh, hopefully not sometimes next week, if you want us to do more of this, I'll be available. I uh, hope I will be with Ken Morris. So that time I'll be having enough time more than this. Thank you for your time. Dr. Ali, before you go real quick, can we ask you, is there a way that people can connect digitally with you, uh, learn from your ministry somewhere that we can send them online? We have an online uh, DMM trainings. We have Catalyst Coaching and uh, Ken Morris is the one that uh, does all the communication from you on this site. So if you can uh, connect with Ken Morris and get his email address, Ken Morris will connect you to all our online trainings and coaching and all those kind of uh, uh, ministries that we do. Okay, great. Yeah, we'll connect. Thank you so much, Dr. Isla. Thank you. Blessings. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, so just what I hear in that, uh, Rob. So again, this is our story that we've been trying to uh, replicate here in Kansas city, because 
we wanted to learn from global movement leaders. And I know I've heard you say that so often, uh, the work that you saw in India, the work that we hear about in the global South is causes us to ask this question. Why not here? Why not now? And when we hear the process laid out so simply, <laughs> um, we know that I, I loved how he brought that back around to it is simple, but it is hard work. It's not like, a, I mean, he could share that in a minute, but they do trainings over a week. We do trainings over seven weeks. But at the end of the day, there's these principles that we're trying to teach. I think he went through it three or four times and we're kind of the same way in all of our trainings. We're trying to bring people back to extraordinary prayer and fasting. Don't do all the rest of the stuff until you begin here. And then we never actually leave prayer and fasting. But as we do that, the spirit will reveal to us, what are the places that we've been sent to? Who are the people to whom we've been sent that Jesus is inviting us to make disciples? And it always begins in prayer that leads to people. And it's about disciple making. And in that we learn, how can we bring good news to this place? Mm -hmm. Demonstrating the gospel, planting the gospel. And as we do that, eventually disciples are made and the church emerges. So one of the ways that we've done that here in Kansas City to replicate that training is we've created what we call the missionary pathway. I mentioned this at the beginning of the show, but we basically saw this on the wall of their uh, one of their training facilities where they had those kind of phases detailed out. And we've contextualized it for the Western context and used a lot of our language. But you can find that training at missionarypathway.com. Uh, it's a free training. You can jump into that as the Kansas City Underground. We're leading several of those huddles uh, every couple of weeks. A new one will kick off. You can go to Kansas or KCUnderground.org and click on the Discover Your Part. Find a, a huddle that's coming up. Jump in with us. We'd love to help train in, in those ways. But we've also created this in a way that uh, you can lead it on your own. We've created simple training guides so that you can invite people into your story to say, I, I want to be a disciple maker. I want to help you and train you in being a disciple maker, because that's what I hear mostly as Dr. Isla is talking is we're training people in simple practices, but we're doing it in such a way that they can train other people in simple practices. So it's about that generational mindset. Yeah. The, the thing that, uh, never ceases to amaze me is um, the power of the gospel itself. And I think in the West, there's been um, things that have been supplements in terms of sharing the gospel um, have become substitutes. And there's, we've become over-dependent on um, having, you know, platforms, having professionals, uh, having programs that um, aren't wrong. In fact, they're really good things. Uh, but what it's taught the average person is, um, you know, to share the gospel is something that maybe professionals do and there's no way I could actually do that. Or I, I have to go through some weird Amway like process with somebody of like, and if you sell Amway, I'm not coming after you. I'm just using that like as a, <laughs> sorry, you have some bad press. If you're in Amway, I'm sorry. There's some bad press. People feel like they're being, you know, like there's this set of predetermined questions that I'm sort of being crowbarred through in a conversation. And it's not natural, actually. It's not, relational it's not happening organically you know and uh you know what we're what we're trying to do in the underground is um here in kansas city and this is happening in lots of places around america not just us you know if we actually begin with a life of extraordinary prayer and abiding with jesus we're going to be led by the spirit and you see that over and over again in the new testament there isn't you know what was the standard operating procedure there isn't one <laughs> They're being led by the spirit, like, Psst, hey, go to the guy over there in the chariot now. You know, it's in real time instructions. Hey, go to Cornelius. You know, it's and, and people are responding. So for not learning how to be people where prayer is a conversation that's never stopping, mm. you know. And then secondly, we gain credibility 
Dr. Isla calls it access ministry. You know, we call it live as a missionary where you lay your life down deeply among unreached pocket of people. And you get, like you said, Brian, you get to, you listen and you engage and you share meals. And then you start to see ways that you can serve, make the kingdom tangible. And then we tell our folks, what's going to happen is as you do that, um, you, you will have opportunity to share your story. Always. How, how Jesus changed you. And, uh, and just be naturally supernatural. Like don't hide. Like if they have a problem, just go, Hey, I'm a, I'm a praying person. Can I pray for you about that? You know? And I, I would, I know it might be weird for you and we don't need to, but I could pray for you actually right now if you want. And if they're uncomfortable, it's like, Oh, I'll pray for you later. But then you follow up and you check up, you, you, you pray, you fast, and then you follow up and check. And we, we basically say, once you've had two spiritual conversations, it's probably a, it, it's gone from a yellow light to a green light. And we encourage people to start discovery Bible studies, or what you could call discovery group. And you, you heard Dr. Isla mentioned that it's, it's a, if you're not familiar with discovery groups or discovery Bible studies, it's a very, just wanted to spend a couple minutes on it. It's a really powerful way to plant the gospel. Cause what you're doing is you're taking people directly to the scriptures. Uh-huh. And uh, we typically encourage people to start in the gospel. So you're starting with Jesus yeah. and he's proclaiming his gospel. And rather than it being based on lecture, it's based on discovery. So there's a simple set of questions. It starts with the connect questions, which is basically uh, asking that person, um, what are you thankful for? And also, what's your challenge? And it's a simple way to connect with someone else's humanity. Yeah. And it's also this sort of subversive way to introduce people to worship. Because mm. basically, gratitude, we're recognizing that life is a gift, that what we're receiving is a gift. So there must be a giver. There's a source. And then the challenge is a way to recognize our poverty of spirit, our need for our creator. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like the embryo. Of, of worship. And then we engage you engage the passage and we have, uh, we have a little kind of web app that you can check out. It's a uh, DBS groups. Is it .org or .com? I can never remember. .com. DBS groups.com. DBS groups.com. And you can find scripture lists there. So it, they're thematic lists of scripture. Um, one of them, they got used a lot during COVID when it started the first year was it's called hopes in times of fear. Mm-hmm. And it's just passages where Jesus is meeting people who are in fearful, anxious, scary situations. How does Jesus respond to them? Right? So you read the passage and then you just, let's say it's two or three people. You, you ask, would someone just retell this in your own language, in your own words, you can keep the Bible in front of you as your cheat sheet. And then you begin to discuss these simple questions. And this is where the discovery piece is. So it's not lecture-based. We're discovering together. Like, what does this say about God, his nature and his character? Which, again, you're teaching people basically uh, like what a fancy word is like a Christocentric hermeneutic. Like we're reading the Bible, not just for information, but to understand the revelation of who God is in Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, Hebrews 1. He is the 4K ultimate revelation of who God is. And then we ask, uh, what does this tell us about people in general? So now we're learning about the human condition and in particular, our need for a savior. And then thirdly, what is this saying to me? So now we're teaching them about how to hear the voice of the Holy spirit through the word of God, because the spirit illuminates the word so that we're actually um, experiencing the power of the gospel and then what will I do about it? So then rather than it just being content focused, it's obedience focused. So it's discovery based. It's obedience focused. We're learning to hear the voice of Jesus, through the word of God and immediately obey. And people write, I will statements. And, and when people, I've had people in discovery groups or discovery Bible studies, like in my neighborhood. And when they come for the first time, um, and I'm not sure really if where they're at, uh, in terms of Jesus being, let's say, God, not everyone believes that. <laughs> right. I just say, hey, it, it, I know this may be a little uncomfortable, but just consider it. I call it the Jesus experiment. Yeah. And Jesus said, if you obey his teachings, you'll find out whether or not they're from God. Yeah. So just try it. Run it like an experiment. See what happens to your quality of life this week. 
and we'll talk about it, you know? And then at the end, it's basically a couple of questions that are about reproduction and, and sharing, you know? So this it's, it's also multiplication based or reproduction based. Cause at the end you're asking like, who do you think you could share this with? Yeah. What you discovered today. So already you're teaching them to be a disciple maker. And we've seen this, um, this has been our main tool for gospel playing, the Kansas City Underground. And it's been fruitful in the suburbs. It's been fruitful in cell blocks. Last night, we were, uh, got to hang out with James May, who's one of the leaders in Share the Hope. And he was telling the story about the Johnson County Jail System when Discovery Bible Study started in one pod and then it spread to all 12 pods. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. You know, now they're in five jail systems. And what happens is we've seen this in our neighborhood. The discovery Bible studies become like an embryo in a womb for a microchurch emerging because new disciples begin to emerge. They start obeying and following Jesus. So um, if you want to discover a simple form of gospel planning, uh, we would highly recommend discovery Bible study as a tool. And you can go, you can also go to, dbsgroups.com. Um, and one other thing we always recommend to people is um, the book Gospel Fluency also by mm-hmm. Jeff Vanderstow. Yeah. There's a simple set of tools in there that have been game changers for us personally and game changers for um, the, the family called Kansas City Underground. And it, it's a, why don't you talk a little bit about Gospel Fluency, Brian, um, as we're wrapping things up. Yeah, that was definitely, like you said, a game changer for me. Uh, real quick, just a note too, on dbsgroups.com, when you go there, there's more than just scripture lists. There's also some continual training there. So you can find more, watch some videos on how to do that. We spend a week on that at Missionary Pathway of like, how, how can you effectively lead these and just some tips on how to do that well. Uh, I always tell people gospel fluency for me is like, it just kind of blew open my understanding of what the gospel was. And I grew up with this sort of very narrow sliver of the gospel that was about what happens after you die. And it had not a lot of weight or bearing on today and in this moment, which ultimately is like, yeah, it's compelling to an extent. I want to have hope for what happens one day beyond this moment. But just like Dr. Isla said, like the message that Jesus brings is the kingdom of God is here now Amen. breaking in. That is the good news. It is, it is coming in now and we all need the gospel. And, um, you know, Jeff opens with this line that we're all unbelievers. And I remember reading that, like, I don't think this book's going to go well, <laughs> but to understand that it's like, no, I still have places in my life that are not fully surrendered to Jesus. And I need the gospel to speak into those places. I need to evangelize myself today and understanding how evangelism and speaking the gospel and disciple making are all one thing that as I evangelize myself and speak good news to me, I'm growing and moving from unbelief to belief in Jesus and areas of my life. Now I can help others like find those places of unbelief and help them move through a process towards belief. You know, some other big, Just one other comment. And the other big piece of gospel fluency is it's healing your image of God. Mm, Yeah. And then your image of self, you know? So when we think of the gospels, like, well, it takes care of my sin problem and gets me a place in heaven when I die. It's not that that's incorrect. It's just so radically incomplete. Yeah. And and really the gospel is uh, helping us discover the true face of God. Yeah. And then our true identity. And most of us have never been learned how to um, see the gospel as that constant nuclear engine yeah. for reforming our image of God, of self. And then that's what energizes us to move from unbelief to belief in Jesus, uh, because we're seeing who he actually is. And once you see who he is, it's like, like Paul said, everything else is rubbish. Then. Like, I just want to know him more. Yeah. There's no one else like him. Yeah. So simple tools like understanding the four G's 
God is good, great, glorious, and gracious. And then I can understand how some of the deepest places of brokenness are in response to I'm not believing that God is good or that he's glorious or that he's gracious or that he's great. Uh, and so just understanding like, what is the area of unbelief under that? And then the simple process of fruit to root, I just seen so many followers of Jesus come to life as they yes. the unhealthy fruit. How do I get to the root of why I'm there and how do I move in repentance towards belief in Jesus? So again, I mean, that, that's the point of today's show is like just to spend some time with Dr. Island understanding, like there are simple ways to view ordinary everyday people as gospel planters. And as we reframe our vision for who we are and our role in the kingdom, we see all of us as, you know, ultimately we can all become spiritual parents that are leading spiritual families. As we understand, we are the disciple makers and mostly we just need to reframe towards what are the simple tools that I can walk away with and begin to do this in my context, planting the good news of Jesus in that space to help people move towards belief in him. And I love the story of just the ordinary guy. You know, it's like, is this for me too? Yes, absolutely. And we had this question at the end, Rob, I just sent, I'd ask you this question just to kind of wrap it up of why this conversation on uh, equipping ordinary people with these gospel planting tools is so important for this moment. Well, I know you look outside your window right now and uh, it's not a lot of good news out there. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, it's just Brian, I'm talking to you, but I want to tell everybody Brian sent me this meme this week of Chris Farley with, with his hair back. What did it say? Something about historical events. Yeah, I'm but you're muted. What is it? Uh, just that I'm tired of living through historical events. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're all in this place of constant temptation to over, just overwhelm and then shut down. And um, Tim Keller was the one who said this, you know, a lot of us have perceived the gospels, the ABCs, and then we move on, mm -hmm. you know, to the deeper things. He's like, it's the A to Z. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it, it is the power of God unto salvation. And that means like being saved from our past, being saved in our present and also being saved in our future. Hmm. And um, and nothing in terms of discipleship, nothing matters more than the gospel. Yeah, I know. I mean that that is the nuclear engine because basically, bottom line, the gospel equals Jesus is Lord. <laughs> it, the gospel is what opens up access to amazing grace and the presence and the power of the Holy spirit in us. And so uh, we put so much time and energy. First of all, just personally, I'm just saying like, if you could get into Brian and I's text messages, you would see uh, how it's bringing each other back to the gospel over and over and over again. And, and so equipping ordinary people, to be able to speak the gospel fluently to their own deepest needs, to their own idolatry, to their own identity, to healing their image of God. That is literally what changes everything. Yeah. And it, and it will, and it's an energy source that will never ever run out. And it's always more than what's needed. And the gospel is so big. It's actually going to redeem billions and billions of people. It's actually going to redeem and restore the entire cosmos. <laughs> Which is why we <laughs> that's it. And, uh, but it's so awesome that like a child can comprehend it. Mm. You know what I mean? And uh, but we must we must learn how to speak the gospel to ourselves. And when we do that, we will naturally share it with other people. Yeah. And what we're learning from these great movements in our time is that um, you know rather than keeping this for a few who have you know, 
extensive professional training. I know it's in everybody's heart that for that not to be true, but we have had primarily a model where that's, it's been, you know, invite your friend and I will do the heavy lifting, you know, um, and we need this to be a people movement again, like it was in the book of Acts. And like we're seeing um, outside the Western world in ways that are historic and their impact and, pe- and people can learn uh, simple things like the four G's and fruit to root and how to lead a discovery group. And, uh, and I, and I look at, you know, this week um, in the underground, we've had, uh, we had a report on Sunday of Casey's group, four people meeting Jesus. And they, you know, ended with a dance party because <laughs> heaven had come. And then also the same day, there's another micro church where um, there was a mom who met Jesus two weeks ago. And uh, she was returning for their discovery Bible study and brought her four teenage children with her. And they were like, we have a different mom. What is going on? And yeah. at the end of the discovery Bible study, all four of them gave their lives to Christ. Wow. It's just ordinary people. And some, you know, one's at Life Center and the other one's in somebody's living room, you know. Um, and so imagine that being multiplied. Yeah. You know, thousands and millions of times. Um, yeah. That would actually change our city. That would actually change our nation. Um, so that's why this is so important. And what's beautiful is it's really, it is simple. It just takes a lot of intentionality yeah. um, and being determined to personally be a disciple maker. That's like, right. I'm going to do this in my context, and then I'm going to help them do the same. Yeah. Amen. Well, thanks so much for joining our show today. And I know it was a brief time with Dr. Isla, but hopefully we will have him back on for future. Oh, yeah. He offered. We're yeah. going to. <laughs> I have to take advantage of that. Grace and peace. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Network podcast and joining the conversation for what is next for the church and its leaders. We look forward to connecting with you as we bring our questions, contribute our wisdom, and pursue what is next. Visit leadnet.org for more resources, information about leader cohorts, and more. That is leadnet.org.